0: Welcome to the Unseen Collective Podcast. And we are at episode two. We are excited about this podcast. We've been wanting to do this for a while. And we just love the feedback that we've been getting. We're hoping that you guys are sharing it so that more people can be exposed to just the topics and the stories and the things that we're going to talk about. If you haven't catched the other episodes... I encourage you, listen to the first introduction episode. It's like the trailer, just to give a sense of what this will be about. The last episode, we talked about leadership abuse. And um, as we said before, we have an online community, an online gathering where we meet once a month. And we're just coming off of our July gathering where we had Dr. Doretha O'Quinn, a uh, Foursquare legend, uh, a wisdom, a, a woman of wisdom, just packed with experience and and power in her voice, and she gave a great talk for us today. Like we're just coming out of the talk. Juan, like, tell me how you felt about that talk, man. I
1: I love you know, it. It was it it was amazing. It was a well, like the whole time I had a couple questions. I didn't want to interrupt, like. I was cool just listening. I was cool just taking it all in. And I'm so glad that we have this time now to be able to get into that like uh Oh yeah. It was it was it was uh a lot of truth. That's pretty much the only thing that kid that how yeah. I could describe. It. A whole lot of truth talking, a whole lot of truth sharing and and just life giving. Now, mind if I get into my question real quick? Can I go in?
0: Oh yeah, man.
1: Let's do right, cool. it. Let's do it. So, um I know you briefly spoke about at the end where you were talking about the different districts and everything and the Hispanic district right there's a, a new district within a district and I understand that when it first um got introduced there were some feelings about it and everything now my question or my comment and to to see what your feelings are on this um for a long time it seemed like when a Hispanic churches would go to a four square event it almost seemed like an afterthought where the translation or um interpreting was always an afterthought or, or the people were an afterthought, or the culture was an afterthought um much like uh you explained in in your book um so now there's the hispanic district but in looking at our culture and the way the younger culture is younger generation takes on so many different cultures to become who they are it almost seems that whether we're on the Hispanic side or the Americanized side, the English speaking side, this generation is now the afterthought where we aren't being looked at in a way that we, they're, they're not involving us, whether it's in on either side. And I've had conversations with leaders on both sides and it seems like they don't know how to deal with it they don't know how to introduce it they don't know how to bring us in they don't know I, I, I guess i don't know if they just don't want to share the space or the future with people that they think may not follow what they've been taught and i don't think they understand the value that we put on our on our culture on our history on our foundations but i think it it, it almost feels like we're an afterthought now versus, you know, now that they've gone up to a position where Mm. this is where we're at, this is what we've escalated to, and it's it's amazing God's, you know, taken us there, but now the next generation almost feels like, okay, so what about us? Well,
2: one of the things that I would say is those who are older at this point, especially um, people of color, because of our, our cultural traditions, that that whole um, older people tend to, quote, unquote, have all the knowledge is somewhat of a fallacy. And because also for many years, as I said earlier in the talk, that ministry for many has defined them. They're mm. synonymous with ministry. Wow. So if you take my title, pastor, You're taking a part of me, or if you're asking me to raise you up, what am I gonna lose? Again, that power Mm. tension, and that's not necessarily the intention of the young. They want to, you know, there's a desire to be included, to not have to wait for someone to, you know, like they we used to say, the old folks used to say, to take all those good recipes to the grave. (laughs) You know, they didn't leave them in box. You know, I'm not going to tell you what it, <laughs> what I put in my banana pudding or what I put in whatever.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And
2: so as a result, we can't make it like they made it because they didn't leave it for us. And we're tending to repeat the same types of things. Now, one thing I would encourage you on is that don't don't shy away from seeking to get to know the leaders. One thing I. I totally Mm -hmm. believe in is that food, in food, eating together builds relationships. Mm -hmm. Look for opportunities to eat together so that those walls, because eating together breaks down walls. It gives a level of safety and not intimidation. Mm -hmm. And to be able to really pray and ask God, what is it that you would have me to do? Anything I believe in the word it Mm -hmm. says your gifts will make room for you proverbs you don't have to push no do- you don't have to push the doors down but you can demonstrate unto the lord your gift because he's not going to let you go unseen mm. it's a part of not knowing how to transfer leadership wow and so there are those that don't know how to transfer it because it's them it's like you are your name is who you are. And for many in ministry, because that's the closest they've got to power, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to release that. And then mm-hmm. and that's not what you're asking. I know you're not. It's opportunity. Exactly. There's a difference between power and opportunity. So you wait before, not when I say wait. Don't, you know, you can go out and, and be intentional about getting to know what are the opportunities I want to be involved, but know what God has called you. Cause that's another thing you want to do this, but show, tell me how you prepared yourself or what do you hear God saying? And what, you know, because if it's God, trust me. And I'm, and I don't say that if, as though it's not, but when God puts an anointing on you, nobody can take that, nor anybody can suppress that. Cuz when its time come, it's going to
1: happen. Was did that address your question? No, it did because because it's exactly like it's exactly like you were saying where it's not a trying to assume a specific power or a specific level or a specific position. But there is a desire for there to be a specific, mm-hmm. a certain type of unity in the church, a, a, um, a certain mm-hmm. look to it where it's, it goes across the board, where me personally, the people that I learned yeah. from and always valued, they, they've been the elders. Some of the elders in the church took me in and I value them for everything they put, they deposited into me. Mm. So that's nothing that could ever be taken away. And I think, I think mm. to a certain extent, they may feel that we don't value them um, and I guess it may be a response to a rejection, mm-hmm. so what they may be seeing may be a response to a rejection um or a a feeling mm. invisible and And I guess one of my mm-hmm. questions to to one of these leaders was, what is their response to mm-hmm. so many young people leaving the church so many so many of, of our generation just leaving and not coming back. And I think it has to do with okay. that, with not being valued or seen right. or, or even an attempt of being understood.
2: Right. And, and, and given the opportunity, the opportunity to get out there, to demonstrate, even if it's not what, what I might do, to be able to affirm that. But I also believe that there's a level of communication uh, vacuum that there's a whole different language being spoken across generational and we have to be able to come to the table that's why i say eating together thinking about have i really when's the last time remember the the parable or the story jesus told where you know he healed 10 lepers and only one came back to say thank you
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know mm-hmm. how often you talked about the elders that have really poured into you, you know, how how much have and I'm, I'm not saying it like, OK, go and say thank you. But how often have you really said to them how important they have been in your life and how you want to continue to learn from them or, you know, it's OK to say that you're not you're not pushing your way in. And even if it's pushed back, at least you've done Your due diligence to say, "Hey, I'm available. I'm willing to help," you know, and then just just allow where the opportunity to show your gifts, to do that, and just know that, "Hey, God's watching. God's got His eyes on you." And the thing is, is that are you ready for Him to thrust you? Are you getting yourself ready for Him to push you forward? Because if you know, sometimes we wait for those opportunities, and God's saying, "Hey." You know what? I want you to step out. I want you to courageously be ready. Get get yourself prepared because I will open doors. God will open doors no man can shut and he'll shut doors no man can open. So you don't have to worry about it. See, too bad you ain't on the West Coast. You wouldn't have to worry about that. But so Dr. D, what, 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 what? <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the things I um, I loved
3: about your book was, uh that it was so relatable to the things that we as the church body experience today and you were speaking about stories that were back when they <laughs> went back when and yet those are still feelings and experiences that members are at this moment experiencing yeah, and whenever i would see something as far as for example um they came to the to the conference or they came to the to the gathering and they didn't feel welcome or they or they They had to uh, bring up their own funds from their own, figure it out because there wasn't that Mm -hmm. um, um, backup of of the district, the difficulties Mm -hmm. of being apart from, you know, that that, assimilating that. And then to tie it into what my husband was saying, is that in that difficulty you as an entity right whether it's a hispanic entity whether mm-hmm. it's the blacks we have a lot of portuguese within within four square we have a lot of a lot of cultures right a lot of ethnicities what do you what do you do then when you are faced with these challenges and one of the questions mm-hmm. that we got uh during our meeting uh before the podcast was i, I think it was donnell himself who asked how do you remain?" Uh, faithful and and without feeling that fatigue right That 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 faith fatigue where you would you where you just don't know what to do with the yeah. difficulty yeah. of of what has arisen for so long and i think that i i'm, I'm hispanic i'm Puerto rican i was raised yeah. in in the hispanic church but i mm-hmm. had a I, I struggled, that's a good way of putting it, I struggled with the concept mm-hmm. of Hispanics kind of branching off because my heart longs for unity. And in the difficulty of everything that we're facing, are we just walking away from discomfort mm-hmm. so that we can put an easiness to the yeah. whole thing? And then what happens to our other brothers and sisters as far as our, our Black um, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, our Portuguese brothers and sisters who are also facing the difficulties? So... Um, if you could speak a little bit on that, I mean, there was a quote I wanted to read here, and maybe you could answer the question because when this is from Christian to Christianity today, and it was an article dealing with that, with the compassion fatigue when you as a as a as a person feel that fatigue, and the question says, "Have you, how have you overcome the fear of hoping?" We spoke about that, the fear of hoping. In utter in order to reach for God's promise of hope. So coming right, overcoming that fear of hoping in order to reach God's promise of hope. How do you remain hopeful, Dr. Quinn, facing those
2: challenges? You know, uh that, that that's a powerful, powerful question. And I'm telling you over the years and, and and even now it's 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 so important to me and I I don't want this to be a kumbaya answer at all, and I'm not minimizing, but my my continual drive in all of this is God, what is your word saying? Mm. I wake up every morning to the degree, I mean to, to the question, Lord you know, Lord, what is it? uh Oh, what happened here? Mm. What is it that you're what's going on in the world today? What, you know, I, I feel that level of silence, you know, I, you know, so many things, you yes. know, I, you know, I'm hearing, you know, the crime, the, the politics, the, all of this. And it's like, I'm weary and I've been weary before. Mm. I have been weary before because I, I, I feel that You know, I showed you guys that little clipping, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like we are a part Mm -hmm. of a heritage that is not living out what we should be doing as a people. I think Mm -hmm. that we have, it's almost like we have the answer, but we're so busy battling with one another that mm-hmm. we can't come together so a lot of our weariness starts internally mm. before we can even hope of what's external and so i i think that the whole concept of this hope and this you know this whole experience we have with Christ we have to be able to get to the word it's kind of like that's my that's kind of like my anchor mm-hmm. It's my anchor. It's my bedrock. Yeah. And I say it is because I've seen God do. It was the Watts riots in Los Angeles. When I came to know the Lord, I had an uncle that used to preach about hellfire. Well, LA was burning up and it was like, God is burning up. And I didn't want to go to hell. Hmm. So if it was fear that got me in, Fear keeps me in because I don't want to go to hell. But now I know the love of God. I know that he's not this angry ogre that wants to destroy me. And so over the years, I've had to hope for a better day. I grew up in the segregated South where I couldn't drink water in the same fountain. And I got beat by my grandma because I attempted to learn something on about this by going in and find out what's in that white bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it caused a problem. So why do I tell you that story? Because I've seen God bring victories that cause hope to remain alive within me. Wow. And so you have to be able to say, I'm not going to stop hoping I'm not going to stop hoping. Consider this: the children of Israel stopped hoping for a Messiah. When the Messiah came, some missed him because he wasn't what they hoped for. Wow. He didn't come the way they hoped. They were hoping for somebody that was going to destroy the Roman rule and the you know the, the harsh rulership. and he came and not only did he bring hope for the Jew for the Jews but he opened it up because they didn't want to they didn't want to do it the way he was doing it they wanted to see this you know this leader come destroyed so I may if I can encourage you to know that you you have the God of hope living in you mm. and we can't allow the world's lens to dictate to us how we respond. Yeah. I, that, I, I I say that, and I say that in all sincerity, I'm not trying to, you know, Christianese, people that Christianese, Christianese, my hope is in the word of God. Yeah,
0: I want to bring up, um, kind of talk about the fatigue uh, aspect that we were just discussing. And uh, I didn't realize uh, until having a conversation with you and a group of other people about the whole fatigue thing. And and I remember my first conversation with you. It was uh, the leaders of the Unseen Collective. And I had said something that when it comes to just feeling Tired, And I'm just like, man, I I remember saying, I'm just tired of this, this and that trying to fight this battle or deal with this, this and that um, within our denomination or things like that. And I remember something you said to me that hit me hard. You said, uh, I forgot how you said it. but He's like, baby, you ain't tired yet. And that (laughs) hit me hard because we've read all the things that you wrote down. People have went through. You spoke to us about the things that you've gone through and that you fought through and that you've gone through again and again and again. and what that did for me, it elevated what I thought my limited capacity was um, and, and feeling mm-hmm. like how how do I keep into this fight? because I remember one day feeling like I don't even know why are we fighting when I don't feel like others are fighting. And I felt like um, it reminded me to go back to what you said. And it just lifted my capacity and said, "No, you can, you can continue, you can keep pushing." And so I wanted you to maybe talk on that—that that whole idea of like, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling like you're not being heard, if you're feeling like you're not being seen, if you're feeling like you're trying but it's just not getting there, like, can you talk to that person that? No, no, you you're not tired yet.
2: No, you know, you know why I can't get tired? Because Jesus didn't get tired. Wow. I mean, granted, he was weary in the Garden of Gethsemane. But you know who he went to to ask, could there be another way? And in his asking, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Wow. And so when I think about Donnell getting tired, I think about where will Donnell's voice be? Who will advocate for Donnell? Who will advocate for Juan and Alma? Who will advocate? Who will be there? Who will be be there for the unseen that could say, you know what, you may feel unseen, but you're not because God sees you. And that's who. Now, granted, we all we have we were, we're created with a need to be loved, to be cared for, to be valued. Mm. But if I have to look for the value and my worth in someone who doesn't even know me, but choose to judge me because of their own biases and behaviors that they have no clue—some don't even have a clue—why they don't like me. Mm. They don't even understand why when I walk in the room or you might walk in the room, all of a sudden the room gets silent. Mm. Well, the thing is, I, I have to come to terms with understanding you need me more than I need you. And why do I say that? Because I have something you don't have and you don't know about. And that is a story
0: mm.
2: of victory and triumph in the middle of being alone. Wow. <laughs> and like I told you before, or I said earlier, I bend my shoulders down a little bit lower because I stand on the shoulders of someone that I could see a little bit further. Mm. So I bend a little bit lower so you can get on those shoulders and then I can arch up and prep you, push you up to look further. And then you're going to bend down. So Elias can stand on your shoulders and he can look a little bit further. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that bending comes with hope that your situation is going to be a little bit better than mine. Wow. And why is that? Because I know that the promises of God made my situation a little bit better than Sister Smith's Mm. because his promises don't change. He never fails. He's always good. And I'm telling you, David said, and now I know it, I, I used to say it like, okay, that's something to encourage you, but I'm saying it because I know it now. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, mm. nor God's seed begging bread. See, I know the day me and Mike had four kids and we had $20 for the month. My babies never went hungry. I know the day I couldn't get to the store to get a diaper because I didn't have it. I had to use newspaper at least to cover me through the night. But he never got rash. They never got, I'm just telling you yeah. that when you live it, you're not at the expense of someone who doesn't know, who, who hasn't had your experience. Mm. So the, the fatigue I have to always think about, sometimes I need to rest. Sometimes you need a vacay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to just read that. That's why I believe in vacation. Even if I don't go nowhere, I'll take a staycation. Don't call me. Don't <laughs> email me. Don't text me. And I don't have a problem with that mm. because I can't be good for you. If we want to live like Jesus, look throughout the Gospels and see how many times he got away. Yeah. How many times he told the disciples, Meet me on the other side. How many times did he say, We're going to stay right here. We're not going any further. Tell the people to go. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Why did he do that? He did that because he was continually, continually pouring himself out. With, for the kingdom. But he was very human. We think, well, he but he was God. He was a human man. Mm-hmm. With a kingdom purpose. And see, that's the other piece, Donnell. You can't get tired when you know your purpose. Mm-hmm. Because you know the work isn't done. Yeah. See, if you don't know your purpose, you're going to be weary at every little thing.